I'm excited about tonight. If you guys got the email, the title for tonight was, Are You a Fraidy Cat? And I was thinking about it a little bit, and that title kind of has a little jab to it, and I'm kind of like that sometimes. But <clears throat> I was uh, talking to my spiritual father, his name is Deltar. He's an amazing guy. I had lunch with him yesterday, and I said, at the very end, I said, so I'm preaching tomorrow, and I'm talking about fear. What you got to say? And he goes, I'm just going to read you. I just transcribed it. I actually was smart enough to record it when he started talking. He said, fear is one of the most powerful emotions that exists. It's debilitating. It rots the soul from the inside. Fear is the devil's main instrument. He has chosen this instrument because we all have it. Some of us modify it so we can operate. When a person stays in fear very long, they begin to justify fear. When fear first gets them, they don't want it. But after a while, fear becomes like the cage of a parrot. He spends three years in that cage, and you open the door to that cage, and he's afraid to get out because he's afraid outside the cage. And he goes, and I can still hear it. It was on the radio when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, I can still hear Teddy Roosevelt say over the radio, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so tonight I wanna to talk to you about fear because God has been making me aware that I've actually struggled with fear a lot more than I thought I did. I don't know if you guys ever have conversations with yourself, but I talk to myself, sometimes very intentionally and sometimes <laughs> with uh, unintentionally. I'll have a thought and it's like, uh, I think that person intimidates you. And, and it, immediately I'll go, no one, no he doesn't. And this is what the Holy Spirit, like for the last six months he's been relentless. He's like, really? Then why you got to say anything about it? And at first I was like, what you talking about? He's like, if you're not afraid, you don't have a response. Because if there's no truth to it, you don't need to say anything. And so he started identifying for me what I'm actually afraid of. Because I would have a thought or a, a person would pop in my mind and I would be like, you know, where you kind of throw your chest except it was on the inside because that's not nice to do. And the minute I'd feel myself go, what you talking about? The Holy Spirit would go, really? Where'd that come from? I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. And uh, I developed this thing, and it looked like strength. If I felt a bully, someone with a bullying spirit coming towards me, I immediately got up and went to meet it. I didn't wait for it to come to me. But that is not strength. That's weakness. If that's all you got, you're weak. Because when you know who you are, you can stand still. Because can't nobody knock you down. When you truly are unafraid. I want James to come up because he had a, 
Uh, not James. Come up. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> he had a revelation during pre-service prayer, and it was really powerful. And it's the essence of what I want to talk about tonight. There were so many songs in worship opening the door for our sermon on fear. I didn't go to pre-service prayer. I came at the end. Leanne led it. She said, Joseph has a word, a revelation. Well, my name's Sam, but I'll go with Joseph, too. Y'all call me that anytime, whatever you feel like. Why am I stuck on J's? So this is a revelation that God had given me. Um, it's one that I received a while back. And basically it was, do not command evil spirits to leave, but command my love to enter in. Because at that point, nothing else has room when Jesus is in. Super powerful. I do still sometimes command evil spirits to leave because they did in the Bible. But if you don't let love enter in, I actually had a showdown with a witch in my backyard three years ago, uh, Halloween night. And when this person began to channel the demonic in my backyard, one of my sons, Roman Amundsen, was with me. And I, you know, they say if you call upon the name and the blood of Jesus, but my spirit went before that. It was the love of God that provided the name and the blood of Jesus. And so I began to say, the love of God is for you. The love of God is for you. And I said it over and over and over again. And the anointing of God came on me. When that happens, sometimes I shake or I yell. It's a little disconcerting for those who haven't experienced it. I started shaking so powerfully, Roman came over and held me, or I would not have been able to stand up. And he began to say it with me. And we said it over and over. And the demonic came in stronger, and we wouldn't stop. And it was not the love of God overcame everything that tried to come into my backyard. He'll do the same for you, and I want to talk about that some tonight. Um, do you have the, I want to show you a picture that I love. We're going to try to freeze it. There we go. Our media guy is so good, the lamp is out, and he figured out a way to freeze the pictures. I love this picture. It stuck out to me. I want to read you what came to me this afternoon. So often when we look at ourselves in life circumstances, we're a kitten. We've just lived through a major storm, and the puddles are still all around us. We see ourselves as a kitten. But if we look at the reflection in the puddles and what we can learn in those storms, there is a huge tiger in all of us longing to be released. I'd like to give you hope tonight and a pathway towards meeting the lion, the tiger within you. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Before I do that, I want to show you a picture. Uh, what I'm talking about tonight is deeply personal. If you don't have a testimony behind the scriptures that you share, you shouldn't be sharing scriptures because they have no power. If you've never walked it out, there's no power to it. 
Do you have next pictures? I want to show you three pictures, if, they'll, if we can freeze them. We're going to try. This is the first one. They look like models, huh? I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Nick Vidjucic. I hope I'm saying that right. Show the next picture. Nick has no arms or legs. I've read his story, and I love this man. Because he had the courage to go beyond what he was dealt. Many of us in this room, everyone has things that they could not help that occurred in their lives. Situations they were brought up in or born into that they had no say about. And when I looked at this picture, and as I followed his life, um, I was molested when I was 12. My parents took me to a, and I've told this story before, my parents took me to a, a psychologist who was a friend of my father's, who was also a predator, and they didn't know that. But that damaged me inside myself in some really powerful ways. And I always saw myself as damaged goods. So I was like, I dated some really amazing women, but I would always back up because I would think there were other guys who were also interested in the women that I dated. And I would always think they have less baggage than I do. So I never had the courage to face my fear and figure it out. And in the last couple of years, God has been using Nick and what he's been doing with his life. That's a picture with their first child and their baby, and now the last picture. If you just have the courage to pursue God and ask him, what answers do you have for me? You'll come up with some. I love his story. He actually travels all over the world. And he's making his living motivating people to face their fears. So tonight I want to ask you, what are you afraid of? What lies are attached to dreams that you don't even have the courage to risk thinking about anymore? Because the fears that most debilitate us are very subtle. And like my dad said yesterday at lunch, we find ways to justify when we're not going to do that. I have had all kinds of reasons for why no woman would ever want to be married to me. And God has been telling me it's really up to you. What do you have the courage to reach for? Don't be distracted by my story nor Nick's. I want you to think about your own life. So tonight, before I begin to share the word, I want to break the power of fear off your life. Now, I can break things off in the spirit realm, but if you are going to hang on to deliverance, you're going to have to do your stuff in the soul realm and in your faith. You're going to have to ask God, how do I walk that out? Because if you don't, I actually had a young woman, she left our ministry. She came up about five times every week. She was praying, asking me to do the same thing. And finally I said, I'm not praying that off you anymore. You're not doing anything during the week to get it off. And she was so offended that I would expect her to do that. <laughs> I break the power of fear off your life. I call your spirits fully forward so that you can hear Holy Spirit speak. I silence and paralyze every voice that's not the Holy Spirit right now. I speak courage over you. 
I break off every lie, word, curse, and accusation that's created fear. And I speak hope and life and resurrection of dreams tonight in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would be able to discern and hear exactly what Daddy God has to say to you individually about your life and the courage he wants you to exhibit for the dreams that he's put within you. I want to tell you a story. I love this story. Uh, it's about Elijah. And I'm, I'm not going to share the scriptures with you. I'm just going to read you some of it and give you my interpretations. Um, it says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, this is 1 Kings 18 and 19, for those of you who are visual and need to read it on your phone. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? And I love Ahab's response. This is the king. We don't understand this because in America, there ain't no kings. Nobody tells me what to do. Because we're the land of the free and the brave. Uh, we're the land of the free and the belligerent. <laughs> Not the brave. Because you'll only have courage when you know who to submit to and how to do that. But that's another sermon. He said to the king, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now then, he tells him what to do. First he tells him, you're the problem. And then he says, now then, send and gather to me all Israel. He tells, him, he tells the king, send out word and bring the whole nation at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's his wife. Now, a little bit about Ahab and Jezebel. She's a delightful person. She <laughs> controls and manipulates her husband and runs the house. She doesn't just wear the pants in the family. He has no pants. A little about Ahab. He's equally adorable. He has no spine, and he does everything he's told when he's told to do it. There are actually spirits. Today, there's a Je Jezebel spirit and Ahab spirit. And they still love to roam around and see if they can attach to your life. So Elijah told uh, Ahab what to do, and he did it. Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And then listen to what Elijah does. He brings the whole nation together, and Elijah confronts the whole nation. He said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophet are 450 men. I tell you what you do. We'll cut up two oxen. We'll have two altars. You call down fire from God, and I'll call down fire from God after you. You call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. You know why they thought it was a good idea? Because they were risking nothing. Imagine what it would be like to stand in front of the whole nation. It'd be just like it is right now. Same circumstance. Go ahead. 
talk to your God, whatever your idol is. And then when you're done, I'm going to call down fire from heaven and it's going to consume everything. We're afraid to even pray that God would heal somebody of a little headache. Because what if he does it? I want you to see how brave Elijah was. Anything I say tonight that makes you feel ashamed or condemned, that's not what this is about. We're correcting belief systems. And we're finding a pathway to kill fear. So they start doing that. The prophets of Baal, they're running around. They're making a lot of noise. They're doing all the stuff they normally do. Nothing. And at noon, he says, call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is busy, or maybe he's gone aside, or maybe he's on a journey, or maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they, and what did they do? He's telling them what to do to get the attention of their God. So, it says, so. In response to him, they cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out. They raved until the time of offering at the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered, and no one paid attention. I love that. <laughs> so then Elijah sets up his altar, and he said in verse 34, once he gets it all set up, everything's cut up, Fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. I know he had to have done that with humility, but that would be really hard for me to do. To have the kind of faith where not only, okay, y'all did your altar and a whole lot happened over there, I notice. <laughs> Excuse me while I set my altar up. And now that my altar's all set up and looks just like yours, if you could just pour four pitchers of water over that. Oh, that's not wet enough. Pour four more. And then just for good measure, do it three times. Just do it one more time. I got time. I'll wait. That'd be so hard for me to do with a right attitude. <laughs> and I would love doing it. Because I'll tell you tonight, I hate the enemy. I've told him more than once, for every scar on my soul, I'll raise up a son or daughter who knows how to fight you. I'm not looking for your everyday Christians. A little time, you know, punch that time clock on Sunday morning. I went to church, and I even went to Sunday school a couple years ago. That's not what I'm talking about. Anyway, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know that you are God, O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. How would you like to clean house like that? And licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. I love all these bright people. The Lord, he is God 
the Lord, he is God. And then Elijah takes charge of the situation again and says, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now, that was a hard day's work. There were 450 of them. And then there was a big rainstorm. So you see what he did? Can you imagine being Elijah? I said, yeah. My God is all that. And I think your God slept through the whole thing. Wouldn't you just want his autograph at least? Like here, just write it on my arm. I just want everybody to know I was here on that day. I saw that. Then this big rainstorm came, and listen to this. Then the hand of the Lord is on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. And Ahab was not running. He was in a chariot. That's amazing. I mean, he does all that, has a hard day's work, slaying all of these priests, and then he outruns Ahab because the anointing of God was on him. What an amazing man of God. Now, Ahab went home and told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You have to understand, she did a lot of child sacrificing. She shed a lot of blood. So she had a lot of demonic power over her life. Because when you start doing that type of sacrifice, that earns power in the demonic realm. So that spirit was on the message that she sent to Elijah. And Elijah, it says, and he was afraid, 19.3, and he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. Many of us have our times that are really powerful. We know what it's like to stand before people and see God do amazing things. And then almost immediately after, we'll feel our weakness. We'll feel afraid. The enemy, because the enemy, if you think for a moment he's just going to leave you alone, he's not. And the more bullheaded you are, the more attention he's going to pay to you. Bullheaded as in faith. He loves it when we're belligerent. He loves it when we act like we're all bad because he has more power. And when we act that way, we separate ourselves from God Almighty as our Father. Because a son knows, I know my, myself. I'm becoming a better and better son. And the minute that I start getting attacked, I run from my dad. I don't waste a minute. In fact, I hadn't seen Dad Tar for a couple of weeks, and he said, Thursdays is the day I go to Rockland. He sent me a text on Tuesday. I can't come. I can't meet you on Thursday. I have to leave town. But I could meet you for lunch on Wednesday. I'm like, I'm there. 
I didn't have to think about it. He said, I can meet you halfway. I said, not necessary. I'll be happy to get there. I'll meet you there. And I get there, and he goes, I'm buying lunch. And I go, no, you're not. He goes, yes, I am. I'm the dad. And I'm like, thanks for lunch. <laughs> we make it so hard because we want our way. We want to be the bad, the, well, what's, what's a different word? We want to be the tough guy. You know? We want to be the guy who, yeah, I did do, I, yeah, I burnt that stuff up. And then I killed all those priests. That's just the way it works when you walk with God. <laughs> now, the way it works when you walk with God is when you stay up underneath him. That's the only way you have strength. Not only was he afraid and ran for his life, he went on a day's journey into the wilderness he actually left his servant. He's like, I don't have time to wait on you because his, his servant had no urgency. His servant's like, I saw all the powerful things you did. It doesn't say that he ever told him how scared he was. It just says he left him. And I think it's probably because he wouldn't keep up. Dude, I'm out of here. She and all her little demons are after me. But he doesn't say that. Because he's acting like he's all that. He himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. Never be ashamed when fear comes on you. Never. The enemy will tell you once the fear comes on and you start acknowledging I'm actually afraid, then he'll go, yeah, and what do you think you're doing taking that microphone again? What do you think you're doing laying hands on them and praying for them? Don't you know who you are? You hypocrite. You ain't nothing. Look at God's response to his fear. He sent food. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and he, he actually fed him several times. He didn't try to talk to him about his faith. He didn't confront him on what a weakling he was. He didn't try to counsel him or tell him, You know where this comes from. Remember when your mother... No. He didn't talk to him about childhood wounds. He fed him. He was tired. That's what you have to do for yourself. When you get overwhelmed, yesterday I was overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed about 12 o'clock. Because I had a medical situation that woke me up every hour and a half for the last four nights. I didn't like it. And I got really tired. Then I got really weak physically. And then I started feeling like, it wasn't good. I didn't pray about it. I went and laid down and took a nap because I got my medical situation taken care of about noon so I could sleep. And after I took my nap, I felt better. That's a really profound key there. 
write it down. When you are really, really tired, don't be trying to fight all these battles. Get untired. There was no rejection from God. You don't hear one word. The angel encouraged him. He said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, ate, and drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and nights. Then he came to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And in verse 14, he says, Elijah's response is, I have been very zealous for the Lord. He justifies his fear. Exactly what my dad said yesterday. He justifies his fear. I have been very zealous for the Lord, like God doesn't know. The God of hosts. See, he shows him, you know, you know who you are, but just in case you don't, you're the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars. He compares himself to everyone else. And, of course, he's a shining example of faith. And killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. I love the Lord's response. Notice, he doesn't address any of that justification. He doesn't talk to him about his attitude, his self-pity, his comparison, his superiority, his judgment of everyone else, his ridiculous approach to his situation. He doesn't say a word. The Lord said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. He immediately just tells him what he's supposed to do. It shall come about, the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. You notice... He gave it to the kings, but the prophet was the final one. That's another sermon, too, and very powerful. He says, yet yeah, I will leave 7,000 in Israel. Remember when Elijah was like, I alone am left? God doesn't even dignify that with a response. He simply says, yet yeah, I will leave 7,000. In Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. And this is what you have to realize. Elijah gave the response of a son. Every single time that you become overwhelmed with fear, you're always going to have a choice because God is not going to dignify all these silly little reasons why you're afraid. Because they're not silly at the beginning, but if you've been around here very long and you still have fears that are shoving you around, just like I do, you need to start getting a clue because Holy Spirit's got them for you. And he tells him, this is what you do. And Elijah did what every son does. Now, you can also be an orphan. You can sit there and start going through your justification again and you know adding you know there's a couple of other things I forgot to add about the alone part too I want to make sure you know how I felt I felt I felt really alone 
Your feelings matter. But when God speaks to you, he's speaking to you respectfully as a son or a daughter, and he's going, I heard everything you had to say. And I respect you so much, I'm not even paying attention to all that stuff you just told me. I don't care that you ran. Jezebel doesn't matter. I'll clean up that mess. And he did. They threw her out of a window. And the dogs chomped her blood. Her, we used, my dad used to say, chomped her blood and licked her bones. He said that one time in a sermon. He meant to say, chomped her bones and licked her blood. But he said it the wrong way. And that was probably, I, I was probably 14 years old. And I've always, anyway, history. You didn't have to worry about any of that. All you have to worry about is just trust him enough to do what he just told you to do. Because it'll involve risk. But if you'll respond to him like a son, he's got your back. He'll bring people around you. He'll expose every lie. Some of the things that will even be told about you that are truths from your past, he'll go, that's from the past. That's not who you are. And it, in the next chapter, God actually has him pass his mantle to Elisha, and he did not die. God loved the life he lived so much, he took him up in a chariot. He never died. And you never hear God say one word to him about the time he ran from Jezebel. The reason that has to settle in your spirit is because many of us run from things all day long. Sometimes all night long. I just encourage you, don't be afraid to look at what you're running from. Don't be afraid to, to look at what you're afraid of. Call it what it is. Don't justify your fear. Just go, look, Dad. It's just like when I said to Dad Tar yesterday. I'm talking about fear tomorrow. What you got to say? Tell him how you're afraid. John, do you have those sheets ready to pass out? Okay. Go to the back. They're back there on that counter. Bring them up right quick. Brett, Avak, Nathaniel, Samuel. I just want to go over these briefly with you. <laughs> to see all those sons and one daughter popped right up. God is always speaking to you as a son or a daughter. He never talks to you like an orphan. And he's always giving you something that's going to be healing. I had a daughter one time. She's a little bit big on top. And she was always grabbing, I know some of you ladies do this, so don't be embarrassed, just listen to the story. She was always grabbing her top and going like this. And I'm like, stop that. I said, go buy some new clothes and get some that are big enough to cover yourself. And she's like, daddy, why do you, I mean, I don't ever hear you say that to some of the other girls. She started naming their names. I said, they're in my ministry. I have a scriptural responsibility to point that out. You are my daughter. My daughters do not dress like that. And she was like, oh. She was done. That's my daughter. I'm just going to go over this. I'm not going to go through 
The sermons, but this is something that I took time today for about two hours. Went over our website and I pulled out uh, sermons. Because guys, if you're going to be as strong and as powerful as you're supposed to be, you're going to have to work at it. You see people all the time, they're like, yeah, I'm on a diet. And I'm like, yeah, you were on a diet for the last three years and ain't nothing changed. Or I have a friend and he comes to the, the gym all the time and he's always like making this big deal out of his workout. And I'm like, give it a rest. Watch Netflix. Because nothing ever changes. You know, it's like, and he, he comes regularly. I'm just like, Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> he needs somebody to train him. He needs somebody to teach him form. He needs to bring his weights down. Just because you can do, you know, 350 pounds once, ain't nothing. That's not how you build muscle mass. You'll get bigger if you do heavy, but you got to alter it. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you got to do. So that's what this is about. I'm just going to read over this. These are tools to overcome fear. Communicate with others and God. First one is learn to hear God's voice for yourself and trust his character. And there's sermons off of our website that you can go listen to. Any of these things that you're not good at, it's up to you. Go do something about it. The second one, develop an authentic, committed relationship with another human being who's committed to Christ and growing in his or her faith. Sermons are under there. Next one, talk about your fear on a real level so you can discern where it comes from. You hear people talk about Christ's life all the time. You want to get some clues? Go through Christ's life. You'll get some if you do it the right way. We have had people who've gone through it and haven't gotten anything out of it, and that's because they went and ate Cheetos the whole time they were in the gym and didn't do their homework and blah, blah, blah. Next one, pursue the understanding of your identity as a son or daughter of God. Next one, walk in the spiritual authority of that identity. You have an identity, and you have authority that comes with it. Next week, Damian Giacchino will be preaching. Not next week, the week after. Damian Giacchino will be preaching. I told him today on the phone, because I'll be on vacation. I told him today on the phone, you represent me. Whatever needs to be taken care of, in that place, handle it. Why? Because I know him. He's my son in the Lord. He has wisdom and he has a ton of authority. Next, move past the transactional, mental, analytical paradigm of Western Christianity to an intimate relationship with God that is supernatural in definition. And that means move beyond your Bible studies, all of your sermons that you can write, all the amazing Classical books that you've read, I'm so happy for you. Tell me what difference that makes in today's world. Are you raising the dead, casting out demons, and healing the sick? If you're not, get your nose out of those books and go get next to somebody. That stuff is contagious. Go find somebody who knows how to do it and learn how to be a Christian, a Christ follower. Turn it over. Use the gift of speaking in tongues. We only have one sermon on that. Dad Tar preached that in 2013, and he loves the Holy Spirit. He has an anointing to pray for people, and they receive their 
uh, gift of speaking in tongues. And then the last one is seek understanding of spiritual warfare and become a warrior according to 2 Timothy 2 and 3. And that's talking about things like deliverance, understanding how to actually have authority in the spirit realm. If you don't have any, if every time some, somebody needs to be prayed for because they have a demonic attack or a stronghold and you always step back, stop it. It's one of the three things that Jesus told us to do when he left. Become comfortable with that. I'm not always comfortable when I see the things that the enemy wants to bring into people's lives, but I know whose I am, and I know how big my dad is. And the more that you let him help you sort out your own things, the more your authority will grow. So I just encourage you tonight. I actually had some powerful verses on love, and we're not going to share those. If the worship band can come up. It really is about love because God so loved you, so and does still today. I've been reading the Passion Bible. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's my heart for you guys. Only God knows how much I dearly love you. Because, guys, you're going to have lots of teachers but you have to learn to recognize mothers and fathers in the kingdom because God is raising them up because he's going to do something in this city and through this city and this region and through this region, through the state and through this state in the nation. I went to Strip 24 meeting today and God did some stuff that was so powerful and I told them we have Big Spoon next Thursday and we're not going to be able to come and during worship... I texted him and said, uh-uh, we'll be there. I've talked to you guys about Strip 24, which is a weekend given to prayer and fasting for the last couple of years. This is our third year to do it. And this year, um, Jesus Culture is going to start helping to sponsor that and lead it. And today in the meeting, they're like, we actually could promote it in L.A. at our, our service there, our uh, conference there in August. And I was like, if you'll do that? But they said, we have no one to go run the booth. I said, if you'll promote it, I'll run the booth. Because God wants to do something so powerful. Last year, I think I went by myself. But I'm not going by myself this year because I want you guys to come with me. There's going to be just a move of God it's a new thing. Epic life is experiencing a new move of God. But it's not just about epic life. It's not just about the Eric's or our leadership team or our prayer team. God has a plan for our city. Cody Williams with Jesus Culture was with us today. He's the guy. That, there's five of us, six of us. Paul DiGiordano, Cody Williams with Jesus Culture, uh, Rock uh, Riley with Destiny, uh, John Zick with Trinity Life and Corey Michaels with, I can't remember, the, they just changed their name. It's on Hazel. And we were all talking about what we feel like the Lord's going to do. But it's going to happen through prayer by sons and daughters who know what their authority is. 
Because when we all band together, there's something so powerful and so life-changing you cannot imagine what can happen in your life if you'll only give yourself to it. And tonight during worship, I started texting the guys, I'm coming next week. And Chatty came over to tell me something and I said, I wanna shift Big Spoon to six o'clock because I like to party and I like to eat yogurt. Real Christians like to have fun. We're gonna do that at six next week and we'll send out an email about this. We'll, do, we'll hang for about 30 minutes, so don't be late because we're paying for the yogurt. And then at Destiny Church in Rockland, they have the most amazing facility in the city, I think. I just saw it today. And we're just gonna go up there and worship. Because when we all get together and worship together, there's so many powerful things that happen in worship. And then we're just gonna start praying together. We're gonna do, gonna do it again in September. And then we're gonna do strip 24. And we're gonna start pushing it. John Zick, who I love with all my heart, said this is a movement for the nation. He put it on the, the little card that he had printed. That sounds like a really big dream. John Zick from Trinity Life puts it's a move for the nation, but it caught fire in our spirit. And I was standing up here in worship and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not missing this. As much as I love you guys, I'm not missing that because that's something for the city. God loves it when we come together as sons and daughters and act like we're family. So that's what we're doing next Thursday. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in your life. Take these resources home. Find the areas that you're weak in. You know what they are. Have the courage to go on the podcast. Nobody will even be sitting there watching you take notes or not. But change. You have a dad who loves you so much. I love my sons and daughters so much with a savage, almost feral love sometimes. I see anything that threatens them, I'm on it. But Holy Spirit taught me last year, if they're determined to hang on to it, I need to back up. Because if they won't pay attention through wisdom and through fathering, then they need to experience the results of hanging on to that idol so that they can let go sooner and not waste so much time. And they get mad at me when I back up, then they can listen to the Holy Spirit. Love you guys.